Thanks for coming on Monday night. How cool is that, that you could be anywhere and you're in church? That's just righteous. Think about right before the coming of the Lord, what were you doing on weeknights? You're in church. So nothing more proper than worshiping Him, magnifying Him, and honoring Him. I hear people say, why do you guys sing before you preach? Uh, we can't help it. We're grateful. We're appreciative. He died for us. He gave His life for us. In all, throughout eternity, trillions of years from now, billions of years from now, we'll look at Jesus and go, how could He have come up with a plan that would make us free moral agents where we'd know good and evil, and yet we'd have an allegiance to Him forever? He'd have to let Himself be killed. Not just killed, but just in such a horrific way. But He gave His life for you. And you know what? The least we can do is walk in the fullness of it. Isn't that right? I mean, if someone left you an inheritance, it'd almost be rude to turn it down, wouldn't it? Where I grew up in Louisiana, don't hold against me, but where I grew up in Louisiana, there's still people fighting over like a 15-foot stretch of property, going to war over it because it's part of their inheritance and they want to kill each other. I mean, think how adamant they are about their 15 feet of property. And here Jesus left you peace of mind, that's you healing for your body, prosperity, everything He left you. Just as Pastor Tony said, man, it's, the benefits are absolutely astounding. And I know this hour you've learned who you are in Christ. You know the equipment that you have in Christ. You have the authority of the name of Jesus. You have tangible presence. You have gifts of the Spirit. Just so we can show forth that Jesus came out of the grave. That's what people are looking for. They're looking for a resurrection power. Amen. So uh, the bizarre thing is, is, is you're the last person on the baton. The, the, you know, the, in a race, the last runner is always the fastest runner. So the Lord's saying, you're the quickest, you're the fastest, you're in position better. So you're here on Monday night, so I know you're, you're in for it. So we'll get into a lot tonight. We'll get into a little bit about the reward seat for a couple of moments. Then we'll get right into the Ezekiel 38 war because you're watching the setup for that. I do a, a weekly video called the End of Days Update on my website, josephmore.com. I forget to ever talk about it. But um, I was traveling out of a church in California and the pastor, David Ellis, got up and said, we're going to have a weekly end times update from our church. And this lady leaned over and said, we was talking about you. I said, well, he better talk to me. I'm not doing some weekly update. <laughs> well, I've been doing it every week for like eight years. And at the beginning of it, the Lord told me to pay attention to Turkey. And I thought, Turkey? What's the deal with Turkey? And uh, we'll get into some things about Turkey tonight. We'll get into some things about Russia tonight. But every week I say this when I start my video. It's a weekly update. It's about seven or eight minutes I try to keep it as short as I can, but so much stuff keeps happening that we don't really get the news of it here in America. But, you know, the, the rapture of the church is signless. The second coming has tons of signs. So if we can look at something that's going to happen just after the rapture, if you can see something that's going to happen just after the rapture, it can kind of give you a heads up how close you are. And just as Pastor Tony said, we, we've watched the players come on the field for the Ezekiel 38 war. Every one of them in position, it's almost staggering. Each week I almost get shocked. I think, well, nothing's going to surprise me, and, that's, and, and I get surprised every week. I mean, when I, when I look at the, the sites that I look at for all the information, I'm like, oh, my Lord, do they even know what they're doing? This is literally the platform for the Ezekiel 38 war. So we'll get into the nations behind that and how they've changed just in the last few years and the nations that aren't going to attack us, how they, attack Israel, how they've changed just in the last year. I mean, there's been alterations just so recently to show us that the, Jesus is about to come back. So we're so blessed. How cool. Remember I said it last night, it, people should tell you to break that pill in half. You should be so happy because you're about to see Jesus. The coolest thing ever for your life, obviously, is getting born again, asking Him into your heart as your Savior. But the next thing is to see Him. Wow, face to face. He said we're blessed if we haven't seen Him, but I'm looking forward to seeing Him. Come on, amen. Want to be fun? 
Oh, man, what's the first thought you'll have when you, when you see him that he died for you? How wonderful that, that's going to be. We got into the rapture last night, and all of a sudden, we've, we've been in services, and all of a sudden, we're going to be instantly there. The Bible says, we'll be right before the throne, sea of glass, pure as crystal. Crystal is the only element that you can't hide a flaw. We'll be flawless before the throne of God. Wow. Jesus purchased you, made you perfect. He's presented you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Isn't that wonderful? He did that for us. So you have no, uh, there's no, uh, Colossians calls it, there's nothing, there's no uh, letters against you. He, 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 he tore out all the, the ordinances that were contrary to you and hung them on the cross. So the devil can't go, well, who do they think they are? You can go, I'll tell you who we think we are. We're children of the Most High God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. So we have a, a radical joy from all the word we've heard. It's because there's a certain voice he wants just before he comes. I couldn't imagine John the Baptist getting up just before the coming of the, of the first coming. John the Baptist out in the wilderness. Hey, somebody's coming. <laughs> no, I'm sure John proclaimed it. And uh, we, we think we, preachers are weird. That still freaks me out. My daughter goes, Dad, do you have to scream at everybody? If it's necessary, it's necessary. So I don't think John said, Jesus is coming. I think John was screaming, make way, make, make preparation for the entrance of the king. And he said, I must decrease that he must increase. So that same presence that's on him uh, is on the believer right now before he comes because he wants people awakened he wants them to know that Jesus is just about to come. It doesn't have to be weird or strange, but it can be strong. It can be with, with great strength of spirit. Hallelujah. So grab your Bibles there and you just turn wherever you think I'll turn. We'll see if you're flowing. <laughs> and we'll pray and we'll get into a few things and we'll get right to the Ezekiel 38 war and we'll see how far we get and uh, we'll be blessed. Go back to Luke 21 though. We'll go for a couple minutes of review. Thank you for coming though. I know you're very busy and your, uh, our lifestyles are very active. But there's something about putting the word first. And those meetings I went to with my mom as a kid, 1970, I heard Kenneth Hagin in Shreveport, Louisiana. It actually was the headquarters of the Voice of Healing. Walking in the hallways, you pictures of A.A. Allen, William Branham and all that. And uh, I, I didn't really see the need to go to church every single night like mom. Have you lost your mind? But she had confession packs. We'd go water skiing and she'd be confessing the word. <laughs> We'd go, do, we'd go somewhere on vacation, she's confessing the Word. It turned us into Word people. To the point that, see, I have a scar on my face that goes all the way up into my nose. Before my mom got a hold of the Word, she was afraid of everything. If I got near an outlet, she'd go, don't touch the outlet, it'll fry you and kill you. I mean, she was just paranoid and freaked out about everything. She got a hold of the Word, and I mean, within six months of getting a hold of the Word, this is 1970, I had a wreck on my bicycle, I had built a ramp on the, on the driveway, and I flipped on this ramp, cut my face wide open, and my lips were flapping like that. I walked into the house, I'm bleeding everywhere, and my, I can feel my lips going boop, 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 hitting my face. I walk into the house and my sister's playing the piano and she screams, ah! I walk up to my mother and she said, don't bleed on the carpet, we've got prayer meeting tonight. <laughs> didn't even bat an eye. She didn't care if I bled, just don't bleed right here. In other words, you can bleed, but bleed over there. So something happened to her that she's not freaked out about anything. I mean, I look deformed and she's not freaked out. In the past, she would have passed out. But getting hold of the Word, it made her unshakable. So that's you tonight. You're unshakable. There's a strength in you that God's raised you up so that you're not moved by what you feel, not moved by what you see. You're moved by what the Word says about you. So if you want success, if you want victory, find out what the Bible says about you. Not how do you feel. I mean, people up, every, feelings go up and down. But the Bible says who you are. You're more than a conqueror. So let's, I have no idea where that all came from. But anyway, <laughs> it's okay. We'll go all night. Praise the Lord. 
Now I say that because I'm super conscious of time. Have I preached long here ever? Well, okay, now why do I do that? Because I've been in the meeting when Jesus had left the building and the preacher didn't know it. I've been in the meeting when Jesus waved goodbye and said, I'm gone, I'm in the parking lot, and the preacher just, I tell you, he's the same yesterday. <laughs> ah. So let's talk about, let's do a couple minutes to review. What did we get into Sunday morning? We got to the signs of His coming. We have about 50 signs of the second coming of the Lord. Zero signs about the rapture, but there's so many about the second coming. So let's look at them right now. Look at Luke 21, and we'll go to verse 24, and let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight. Service, thank you for utterance. Father, speak to us. Unveil truth to us. I thank you for a, a spirit of boldness upon everyone in this church, Lord, the, to walk out your perfect will in their lives. We look unto you, Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So Jesus, have preeminence in our lives. Lord, we're all hungry. We're here on Monday night, so we thank you for great grace. Thank you for, for a great infilling of the Word of God tonight. So, Father, we thank you to articulate how close we are to seeing you face to face so that we would make changes in our lives to accelerate and run faster. So I thank you for, for helping us comprehend this tonight, Father. Thank you for blessing every person that came in Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody said amen. amen. So go there to Luke 21 for just a moment. Luke 21, verse 24. Jesus is going to say a couple things here we've talked about that makes it easy to get how close we are. I mean, they're pointed, they're exact, they're precise, they're inarguable, and they're easy to understand. So verse 24, Jesus said, When they now shoot, they, when they fall by the edge of the sword, shall be led away captive unto all nations. Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles or nations are fulfilled. So Jesus tied timing to Jerusalem being won back. Talked about that at length yesterday. So in 1967, when Jerusalem was won back, uh, uh, man, that's a big deal. Huge, huge. Because right now, everything's a fight over Jerusalem. Let me tell you how much of a fight it is over Jerusalem. Our Supreme Court passed a few years ago same-sex marriage. This, our Supreme Court passed same-sex marriage. The same day we passed same-sex marriage, we passed a law that if you're born in Jerusalem, you don't have Israel on your passport. The United States of America passed a law that if you're born in Jerusalem, you don't have uh, Israel on your passport, indicating Jerusalem has to be an international city. That'd be like saying, I'm born in Washington, D.C., but I'm not an American. My Jewish buddies go, what in the world is that? <laughs> if I'm born in Jerusalem, I'm an Israeli. Come on. So see how weird that is? Everything goes back to Jerusalem. There's pressure on Israel to give up Jerusalem. It came out today that the EU said, okay, we're going to go back to the lines to the Six-Day War because they want to take Jerusalem away from Israel. Why? Because Satan wants that location that Jesus will reign forever. So you're watching in the last days now a manifestation of, of an undercurrent of Lucifer, of Satan, trying to put pressure on people to get that position. So Jesus goes, when you see Jerusalem on back, buddy, you can mark it down, time's up. Because remember, Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. You live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. Live east of Jerusalem, read right to left. Everything goes back to that spot. So watch Jesus get clearer. Look at verse 29. He said, uh, but look at the fig tree, verse 29, and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, in the same manner, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. So last night we got into this for a second. Yesterday morning we got into a second. He's telling us these things so we can know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now he didn't say he's telling us those things so we'll never know. Because that's what we've been taught. You can never know when the Lord's coming back. Yet Jesus goes, I'm telling you this so you can know. And then the next verse is the ticker, remember? 
You ready for verse 32? Look at this one. I love it. Verse 32, Verily I say unto you, This generation shall not pass away to all is fulfilled. Now what is that? The group of people that sees those two events will not pass away to all is fulfilled. And I've said it. People go, well, I'm not comfortable with that. It don't matter. You know, people go, I don't like that. It don't matter. I mean, sometimes it freaks people out to be bold about the Bible, but knowing brings boldness. If you didn't know, you can't be bold. But he said, I'm writing this to you so you can know. Much less the other 48 signs that we can get into. i got 20 signs on the T-shirt out there. So if you, if you don't want a T-shirt, take a picture of it just so you'll have the signs. I mean, but there's about 50. So, so we're blessed. Why would God put sign after sign after sign after sign so we'd have a heads up? He said, when you see these things, what's the first thing he said? Lift up your head, indicating you could be downtrodden when the greatest things are happening in the Bible. There's more verses written about what it looked like just before he comes than anything in the Bible. So we can't go, no, don't tell me, Lord, don't tell me when you're coming. I can't know. Well, then he wasted a lot of verses. Start ripping Revelation out. Start ripping Daniel out. Start ripping Luke out. If you're not going to believe it, tear it out. I did that in Boston one time. I had an old Bible freak this lady out. I thought she was going to kill me. I was preaching along and said, if you don't believe it, then just start tearing out. Well, it was, it was over right there. I got her attention, though. But that's kind of how we treat the Bible. Tradition, now don't get mad at me. I have a friend of mine uh, that he, he's a sweet brother. Never read his Bible before, doesn't know anything about the Bible. Doesn't know, doesn't know Bible from come here from Gideon. He told me, hey, Joe, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. I said, whoa, you can't spell Bible and you're going to tell me something about the Bible? But see, we've almost thought tradition was a bigger deal than truth. Jesus said, the generation that sees those two events will not pass away to all is fulfilled. So that just tells us we have a lot to do in a short period of time. We have a lot to do in a short period of time. Right now, the gospel's going all over the world. I mean, you've got Rhema schools, and I think I've preached in five in Switzerland, maybe six in Germany, three in France, a couple of them in Australia, Norway, Italy, five, four different locations in Italy. It's one in Sicily. All over the world. Kenneth Hagin's simple message that you can have what you say. You can have what you say. You can have what you say. Transforms people to take God at His word. Wow, aren't we blessed? You're watching it. Jesus is appearing to children in Iran right now. A buddy of mine's a preacher in Iran. His name is Reza Safa. Uh, he's real short. He's about this tall. I like to take pictures with him. I'll play golf with him. I'll go, Reza, come over here and stand by. He makes me feel tall. <laughs> He, he got uh, offered $10 million to stop preaching the gospel. <laughs> so he, he said, Jesus is appearing to children. They can't stop it. All over Iran, all over Malaysia. Because so, Jesus is coming back. I was in Israel one time, getting ready to go through into the old city of Jerusalem. Walked up to this guy. I was talking to him. He was a Palestinian. Jesus had appeared to him. He goes, you know what? I used to hate the Jews. And, and Jesus stood right in front of me and I gave my life to him. Wow, so God's pretty cool how He can get it to everybody. So let's run through the signs because I'm taking too long for review. So you got Israel made a nation, you got Jerusalem won back, you got the Hebrew language restored, you got the Ethiopian Jews brought back, you got the fertility of the land of Israel, you got the revival of the Roman Empire. That's a cool one because we can see the Capitol building in Strasbourg, you saw that. Not similar to the Tower of Babel, identical to the Tower of Babel. Then you have the Temple Mount Institute, you know, you got all these things. You have 172 different species of predatory birds. We'll get to that here in Ezekiel, man. God calls on the birds in Ezekiel to clean up the land after the Ezekiel 38 war. So those, those birds are ready to do some cleanup work, and they're, they're there right now. So all those things. Then you had the blood red moons. You had the Bethlehem star. So, so the heavens are signaling there's a change coming. 
And that changes Jesus of Nazareth is coming back to the earth to bring peace and stop war. He'll set his foot down on the Mount of Olives and there'll be a great earthquake right there. And the water from the Dead Sea will come right by the throne of God. Watch this. He comes right by the throne. And as it comes by the throne, it gets near Jesus and goes out and heals all the waters. It just gets near him and it's so filled with life that it quickens all the waters of the earth. Hallelujah. Well, see, he's not near you. He's in you. Ooh, glory to God. Amen. So we have all those signs that show us and all those signals. And then last night we got into the rapture of the church, how there's coming a time where, as bizarre as it sounds to even talk about, we're going to be evacuated from the earth just like Enoch was, just like Elijah was, just like Jesus was. He went up into heaven. Uh, we're going to go up. We're going to be caught up. The Bible says it's a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It's the shortest amount of time that can't be divided. So uh, I hear people go, well, how? I'm, I think it's going to take a while and I'm going to walk around on the earth after I get my new body. Uh, I think it's instant. The Bible says this immediately we go up to meet the Lord in the air. And won't that be a reunion for loved ones that you've had to go home and be with the Lord? How cool is that going to be that we'll get to go to heaven for seven years, go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, go to the reward seat of Christ? And so that change is coming. I'm looking forward to it because we'll never gain weight again. Come on. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So there's wonderful things about the rapture of the church. Now, I say this. People go, well, I don't want the Lord to come back because i got so much in my heart. Well, the rapture is not an ending. It's the beginning. You're not done at the rapture. You've got a whole thousand years that right now you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. We'll get into that tomorrow night. But so it's exciting to know Jesus is just about to come back. So many truths about the rapture we can get into. But I want to go a little further and talk about your next appointment before we get to Ezekiel. And that is the reward seat of Christ. This is probably the most important thing we should focus on. Uh, because it's your next appointment. You know, if you're going in for a job interview, you want to kind of get ready for your interview. Amen. So this is really cool because it's got misunderstood for so long and got mistaught. Uh, but it's in 1 Corinthians 2. Let's run there for a minute before we go to Ezekiel. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 or 3. I can't remember which one it is, but we'll, we'll find it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. No, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. This is what's called the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, uh, this is what we go to immediately after the rapture. I'm sure there's a time of uh, fun and fellowship when we get there. And so I don't know how, what the timing is, but this is our next appointment. Now, it's preached the judgment seat of Christ, but that's actually a mistranslation. The Greek word is the word bema, B-E-M-A. It means reward seat. We get that just like in the Olympics when you go up to the podium to get a gold, silver, or bronze. I've never seen somebody afraid to get their medals, have you? But yet it's taught you're going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. It's not going to be do good. Uh, you're going to go to the reward seat of Christ, and He's going to reward you for everything that you did with the right motive. So let's watch this for just a minute. This is so cool. Watch what He says, because the Lord wants to bless you. He wants to reward you. He wants to honor you. So watch what He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Skip down to verse 6. I have planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watered, but God gives the increase. Kind of takes the wind out of yourself. It doesn't matter what you do. You're just supposed to do something. Come on. Because I hear people go, if I could just be the sound man, I'll be faithful. If I could just do that, I'll be faithful. It doesn't matter what you do. Just give it your all. So he goes on from there and says in verse 8, Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. I don't like that word labor. That's just not right. He said, but your rewards will be tied to your labor. Notice the shouting that went on right when I said that. Woo, preach it, Brother Joe. It's all over you. Okay, here we go. For we are laborers together with God, your God's husbandry, your God's building, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I've laid the foundation, another built thereupon. Let every man take heed or pay attention to uh, the foundation that you build. 
So he says in verse 12, Now if any man build on this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work, y'all circle the word work, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work, circle the word work, of what sort it is or how valuable it is. Okay? And this, this, when you're on that podium, what you've done for the Lord is going to preach for you. It will do, it will, your life will be declared right there. And then he says, if any man's work, circle the word work, abide which he built thereupon, he'll receive a reward. Wow. If any man's work, circle the word work, shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as by fire. So this, this examination, for just a brief moment, is fire is going to hit your life. And it's going to examine the motive of your hearts. Did you do things for the Lord because you want to be seen? Or did you do things for the Lord because you love Him? Wood, hay, and stubble is all above the ground. That's what people see you do. You probably won't get a reward for it. It's the gold, silver, and precious stones, the hidden things of the heart you'll get a reward for. What is gold? Your devotional life. What is silver? The Bible says the tongue of the just is choice silver. Your words either encourage or discourage. Make sure every word you say lifts people up. And the precious stones of the priest would go into the, the presence of God and pray for the people. He didn't go in and pray for himself. He went in to pray for the people. So what you want is at the reward seat, you don't want a bonfire. You don't want the angels to go, you might want to back up. This ain't going to be good. <laughs> Could you imagine? God, woof, what was that? That was brother so-and-so. No, man, you don't, you don't want people going, I've never seen fire like that in all my life. No, you don't want wood, hay, and stubble. You want some stuff that re remains through the fire. And what is it? You will adorn yourself with your silver and gold. You will wear your faithfulness. Okay? The Bible says you'll be clothed with glory and honor. So after this reward seat, just like, just like in the Olympics, I've never seen somebody sad to go get their medal. So don't be, don't be frightened about the reward seat of Christ. It's a wonderful event. Things that you did from the wrong motive are going to be toast right there. But the things you did for the correct motive, you're going to get gold and silver and precious stones. And then you're going to have a uniform on that's going to be indicative to how faithful you were. I mean, just like in the military, a general doesn't have to tell you he's faithful. He's got, he's got all those, they call it fruit, all over his chest. All those badges of valor. And then he has stars right there. I've never seen a general go, I was faithful, I was faithful. No, he doesn't tell anybody he's faithful. Man, his, his uniform preaches for him. So that's what's going to happen right after the reward seat of Christ. Your uniform, your, your robes are going to preach for you. Man, you're going to go into the millennium. People will look at your robe and go, wow, you did the will of God. Remember I talked about the corresponding stitches. You'll go, look, you went to church when other people didn't go to church. I think there'll be things showing what you did while you're on the earth, showing uh, people if you were a soul winner. There'll be different things that are indicative of your life. You don't want to walk around in the millennium in a Speedo bathing suit. <laughs> you know, people go, aha, did nothing during the church age, huh? Now, my dad, I mean, he, he, he cursed God, mocked God his whole life. And you know, he has a stroke and gets saved on his deathbed. So he never got to do anything for the Lord. I'm going to be throwing robes at him because he ain't got no robe. Okay. <laughs> He'll go to the Lord seat of Christ. It's going to be <laughs> not much happening here, folks. Come on. But, but your life is going to preach for you. You'll see John Wesley's robe and you'll go, wow, check that out. You won't be jealous. You'll go, wow, he gave his life. He said, give me 10 men that hate sin and love God and I will change the world. Man, I was preaching in the Ukraine, came across this field out in the middle of nowhere, concrete bunker. I thought, well, it was a bomb shelter. I said, what's that bomb shelter? They said, that's not a bomb shelter. That's a Methodist church. All because John Wesley gave his life. He left his wife a, few, a couple of things, you know, when he went home with the Lord, a few pound notes of money, cool preaching robe, and oh yeah, the Methodist church. Because one man said, give me ten men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. Woo, hallelujah. 
So he's going to be robed accordingly to his faithfulness. That don't, 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 don't be under pressure or under, uh, what do you call it, condemnation. we still got time to do something for the Lord. Yeah, I'm thinking of that one preacher. We're almost to the Ezekiel 38 war. We're getting there. We'll get there in just a second. I think of this one preacher that was preaching in South Africa for years. Started about 500 churches, you know, away from his family and uh, uh, did a wonderful job there. This is years ago, like 100 years ago. And back then, they only traveled by ship. So he finally got finished doing his missionary work there in South Africa. Took a boat back to uh, America, came up to the Miami port there. He's in a ship. There's a big ticker tape parade for an actor that was on the boat that had been on safari. And back then, they had ticker tape parades and, you know, all this, all this stuff, you know. They're celebrating the actor coming back from a great safari. Well, and that missionary said, you know, Lord, here, there's these, all these people here to meet this actor. He's been on, been on safari, and there's nobody here to meet me. And the Lord said, don't worry, it's because you're not home yet. So see, we're, we're, we're blessed, and we, we, we get blessed now, but you're not home. You're passing through. You're from another land. So thank God we get blessed now, but there's coming a season where all of a sudden we're going to be caught up, and we're going to go to that reward seat of Christ. And you're, everything that you did that no one saw you do that was for a blessing, there'll be a reward for it. And you'll go, wow, Lord, you paid attention to everything. Amen. But you know what? He doesn't pay attention to the bad things because all that was laid on Jesus. He's not judging your sin here. He's judging your works. Sin was laid on Jesus. Now that's good news for all of us. Am I in the right room? Amen. Come on. Start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. That's good news for somebody in here because he's not going to judge your sin there. He laid it on Jesus. So these are events. The rapture of the church will be called up. Instantly go to this reward seat. Man, it's going to be cool. We'll be going, check it out. You're getting, Pastor Tony's getting ready to go be, be up on the podium. Here we go. And do, how far do we back up? I don't know. We'll see. No, <laughs> no, you won't have to back up far at all. But I have some buddies of mine that it'll be, people are going to be going, hit the deck. Here it comes. Woof. And it's going to be ignited. We're going to walk away going, wow. But uh, at least we're there. Amen. Praise the Lord. So wonderful things ahead for you, encouraging things ahead for you. No bad news in the future for you. Zero. For the world, it's very scary, but for the church, there is no bad news. Wonderful news. Rapture of the church, reward seat of the Christ, and then you get clothed in glory and honor. Wow, that you were able to do something for your king. Wow. And then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then we come back at the second coming uh, on, on white horses, following Jesus. Think about that. What a view to the second coming. You're going to be right behind him coming down to the earth and you're going to watch the heavens open. You're going to watch the stars not, they'll fall from heaven and nature and creation will bow in adoration that the creator came back to his creation. Wow. You talk about majesty. You talk about pomp and circumstance. The entrance of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Wow. So everything that we're getting into shows us how close we are. So let's talk about this next event. Really, it's called World War III. And really, what we, we call it the, the Ezekiel 38 War. You call it the, the, the War of Gog and Magog. Let's go through some of this in Ezekiel. Because Ezekiel, 2,500 and some years ago, saw this. So now you've got to remember, Ezekiel's prophesying what he's seeing. He's a seer. So everything's going to be uh, not flawless. It's going to be kind of funky. So we'll, we'll get into some of it and we'll try to interpret some of it. Because some of it's super easy to understand. And it's very straightforward, but there's a war coming just after the rapture of the church. And we'll get into why uh, I believe it's after the rapture here in just a minute. So gra grab your Bibles there and skip over to Ezekiel and go to chapter 38. And we'll start here. Ezekiel chapter 38. So let's back up from Ezekiel 38. Turn there to Ezekiel 38, though, but just w run with me mentally. Ezekiel 36 and 37 is all about the restoration of Israel. He saw the bones in the valley and God said, will they live? And he said, well, I don't know. 
and breath came into those bones and, and they were formed and the nation of Israel was revived right there. So that's kind of bizarre to see a valley of dry bones. So Ezekiel seeing the restoration of Israel, and in chapter 38 and 39, he sees Russia and Turkey basically coming down to annihilate Israel. And the craziest thing, God intervenes to stop them. Okay, Now this is the classic reason why you have to see that this happens after the rapture of the church. In this dispensation, Germany killed 6 million Jews and prospered. Because see, we're in the church age. Okay, You can't do much worse than killing 6 million Jews. Germany killed 6 million Jews, called the Holocaust, in this dispensation, and the land was, Germany was blessed. Because see, God's not counting anything against anybody. Now that goes against everything everybody's preaching on TV. Katrina was judgment because America did this and that. No, nations might reap what they sow, but it's not God judging them. Okay, I'm going to be really ornery with you because I was in a meeting with a real famous end times guy and he started, God's judging this, judging that. I said, give me scripture and verse. He took me back to the Old Testament. I said, no, give me New Testament. There's only three times in the New Testament when God judged someone. Okay, Herod was judged because he presented himself as God. Ananias and Sapphira were judged. And that one man that was messing around with his son's wife, uh, Paul said, uh, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so his soul might be saved in the day of judgment. God, they had to turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. God couldn't even touch his flesh. <laughs> well, you hear that nowadays as people are preaching that God's hurting people to train them. God can't even mess with you. So Germany kills 6 million Jews and prospers because we're in the dispensation of grace. So what we talked about last night, the church is going to be raptured and the earth's going to go back to seven years of old covenant time. So in that old covenant time, God can play rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat. I mean, the gloves are off. He, he's going to do things literally in that seven-year period just like Moses did with Pharaoh. Why did Moses have to have the working of miracles with Pharaoh? It was because of his hard heart. So you'll see God doing things here in Ezekiel 38 and God doing things in the book of Revelation under old covenant rules because he's doing everything he can to get their attention. Remember I said it Sunday morning when I was in high school on a date with a girl? I always had fireworks with me, so I'd pull them over to a certain spot and I'd get out of the car and shoot fireworks off. So I'd say they can't say they didn't go out with me and didn't see fireworks. Well, the Lord's going to have seven years of fireworks and in Ezekiel 38, it's some major fireworks. So you don't see that in this dispensation. And then we find out some of the nations that are involved. And you had these nations make some changes last year. So grab your Bibles there. And then we'll, we'll get into a little bit more about Russia and Turkey in a minute because it'll set the stage for us when we know a little bit about their mindset literally in the last couple of years. So go to Ezekiel 38. And that's a lot of info, so just run with me a little bit. Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him. All right, there's a lot in this. Magog is Central Asia and Turkey, okay, and then in part of Russia. In a minute here, we'll talk about that just north of Israel, if you go straight north of Israel, you've got Russia. So he talks about Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. There's a, there's a demonic prince that's in charge over Russia and in charge of Turkey, okay? And Ezekiel is going to speak to this. this entity that's in charge of the air. Why is it in charge there? Because Adam gave them a right to be here. Can't run them off, so they're still here. Just like in the book of Daniel, remember he began to pray, and Gabriel said, from the day that you began to pray, I was sent for your words. 
He said, but I was withstood by the prince of Persia. So the prince of Persia withstood him for one, 21 days. Last night we read where the first year of Darius, Daniel said, I understood by books a number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in desolation of Jerusalem. He said, I set my face to the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. If you read a chapter over in Daniel 10, Listen to what Gabriel said to Daniel. He said, I also stood, listen to this, the year that, that, he, that Daniel began to pray for Darius, I stood to strengthen and confirm Darius. So Gabriel goes, the moment you prayed, Gabriel said, I stood up to strengthen and confirm him. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Wow. So here you can go to praying and you can have an archangel standing up and t- to strengthen a president and confirm a president. How crazy is that? So God starts speaking to this prince that's over the area of Gog and Magog. And he goes a little further there and says in verse 2, at the end of verse 2, Prophesy against him and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Now Meshach and Tubal is Turkey. Gog and Magog is Russia. Gog is the spirit that's over Russia, but Magog is the region. So Meshach and Tubal is Turkey. Now let's talk about this for a minute because he's going to speak to these these entities that are over Turkey and over uh, Russia. Turkey has a mentality about the last 20 years they've been trying to be a part of the EU. They've been trying to do everything to make themselves look cool to be in NATO. Just in the last two years, they've basically gone crazy. President Erdogan of Turkey has invaded northern Syria to, to, to fight the Kurds. He's ran out every single one of uh, the news media out of Turkey because he wants to control it like a dictatorship. He said repeatedly, I said this over, repeatedly the last two years, we will get Islam and we will ascend to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem and take Jerusalem from the Jews. So you had Turkey send military presence into Libya about five weeks ago. So you got Turkey in Libya on the southern part of Israel, Turkey in Syria on the northern part of Israel, because their doctrine is... It's from Constantinople. It's from Istanbul. Their doctrine in Islam is from Istanbul, their Messiah will come. Now listen to this. It's kind of crazy. Their doctrine is the Messiah is going to come out of Istanbul, <laughs> and he's going to, this Messiah, Islamic Messiah is going to come, kill all the Jews, and kill all the Christians. Jesus is going to come back with him and say that he's not the Son of God. What does that sound like? Lucifer. <laughs> so their, their Messiah is basically the Antichrist. What's the Antichrist try to do? Kill all the Jews, kill all the Christians, and try to present Jesus as not the Son of God. What do demons try to do when you try to cast them out? They, don't, they won't try to admit that Jesus came in the flesh. It's the same, same spirit right there. Uh, that, that's what their Islamic Messiah will do. He'll say Jesus didn't come. In the, Je- they say Jesus is going to come back with him and say, I'm not the Son of God. What an error that is. So, so you see, Turkey has this destiny on it that's kind of a leader. I'm saying this because once we get into all this, you'll see that Turkey is really the one that pulls, that spirit that's over Turkey is the one that pulls Russia down. Why do we get into this? Because right now, gosh, I know this is a lot of info, but hang with me. Right now, you've got Russia all over Syria, nine Russian bases all over Syria. Last week, two squadrons from Russia, MiG-29s, were brought to, to, to Syria why would they do that? Because they're going to invade Israel. The setup for an invasion's there. And we'll get into a little bit more here in a second. Where my, my, my brain's going ahead of me with Iran, so let's back up for a minute for Russia. So Russia's got all these bases there. <laughs> Russia's put S-300 missile defense systems all over Syria, all over Turkey. Russia has put S-400 missile defense systems all over Syria. Basically like, okay, we've got to protect ourselves as we get ready for this invasion. 
because there's really no need to really protect all the Syrians. They're there to, those missile batteries are there to protect themselves. Okay, because right now Israel's having to go into Syria and take out missile depots that are coming from Iran down into Syria that are going to Lebanon. This is the cool thing that is a little tidbit. They keep, guess where they keep having to bomb? Damascus. All these missile depots and all these Iranian generals are coming into Damascus. Run with me mentally to Isaiah 17.1. Run with me mentally. Isaiah 17.1 says Damascus will be removed from being a city. I'm saying that because you're watching a military presence go into Damascus every single week to blow up Iranian missiles. So this is what Turkey's doing. This is what Russia's doing. Russia recently went into Crimea, annexed Crimea. You don't do that. That'd be like America going into Mexico. Well, I think we want Mexico. No, you don't do that anymore. So Russia's acting like a, a, a cr crazy person. Russian airplanes have turned off their transponders so you can't tell where they are. They're buzzing our aircraft at close proximity, trying to taunt us and trying to get into a war with America. Several generals, I wrote them all down. I didn't bring them with me tonight, but I wrote them all down. I bet there's probably five to seven generals said, we are already in World War III because of how Russia has positioned itself. But it's not talked about a lot, but right now there's Russian groups of people ready in Syria to start attacking Israel. Now, there was a time in 1948 when Israel's made a nation that Russia came to Israel's aid. We want to help you. We want to give you military supplies. But, but, but after that, the 1956 war, Russia turned over and said, you know what? We're going to turn to the Palestinians and we're going to bless the Palestinians and we're going to arm the Palestinians. So every conflict from there, Russia has really helped the, the people that want to destroy Israel. So let that sink in for a minute because, see, it builds up to what Russia's getting ready to do, and that's the Ezekiel 38 war. So let's get into a little bit more of it. Run with me there. I know it's very complex and a lot of info, but just run with me, and then I'll sing the latter part, and it'll get powerful, okay? <laughs> no, we, we probably shouldn't do that. So he says in verse 4, I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth all thine army, horses and horsemen, all them that are clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers, shields, and all of them handling swords. Persia, that's Iran, Ethiopia, it's Cush and Sudan, Libya with them, all of them with the shield and helmet. Gomer, that's Germany, and all the bands uh, with the, the house of Togarma, that's still, that's Turkey, and the north quarters, and all his bands, and many people with him. Be thou prepared, and prepare thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a great guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years, thou shalt come unto the land that is brought back from the sword, and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. And he said, They shall ascend and come up like a storm. Thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, It shall be also that come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go up to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil. Remember that to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of all nations which have gotten cattle and goods that dwell in the midst of the land. And he's going to say some things that make sense because everybody thinks the Psalm 83 war is, is this war. This is a completely different war that's not Armageddon. The Psalm 83 war is all about 
extinction. That happened in 1948, happened in 1967, happened in 1973. This war is about taking a spoil. This is not about annihilating Israel. It's about goods. So that's the difference. That's how you can tell it's different than that. Now go a little further. He says in verse 13, Sheba and Dedan, that's Saudi Arabia, and the merchants of Tarships, that's Spain and Europe, and the young lines, that's England and America. This is really the only mention of America here in the Bible. There's a couple more, but this is one of the boldest. And the young lines thereof shall say unto thee, Are you come down to take a spoil? Uh, hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, and to take a great spoil? So see what happens with America. Uh, I believe it's after the, the rapture because half of America's gone. Right now, if you had tried to attack Israel, uh, America w w would fight for Israel. So obviously we, we go, hey, what are you getting ready to do? We even ask them. You don't ask them now. If they tried to attack Israel, we'd, we'd protect Israel. I remember years ago I was in California and I'd been doing the EDU for a while and this Navy commander came up to me <laughs> and because uh, uh, in the EDU I would try to talk about how much uranium enrichment Iran had and I would get from all these you know, military sites how much uranium they had enriched. And this Navy commander came up to me. She goes, how do you know how much uranium Iran's got ready? I said, well, I don't know. Uh, I, I get it from these sites, you know. And she said, well, that's my job in the Navy is to know exactly how close to enrichment Iran is. She said, she said, we have a ship that's in the Mediterranean that if Russia was to fire a missile at Israel, our ship would, intercede, would intercept that and start attacking Russia. doesn't matter what president we have. He said, if he doesn't, he said it doesn't matter if it's Clinton, Bush, Obama, uh, Trump, whatever. We have a, 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 not a carrier, but a destroyer in the Middle East, and we'll intercept that. And I said, what rank are you? She goes, I'm a commander. She's like, Commander Bond. Wow, like James Bond. <laughs> She was freaking out that I knew all this enrichment stuff. And I said, I don't know this enrichment stuff. I'm getting it from the Internet. Come on. And she goes, that's all on the Internet? I said, yeah. She's like, oh, gosh. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, it's just a bizarre time. So, because right now Iran's trying to enrich uranium so they can annihilate Israel. But here you have the young line saying, are you come to take a spoil? Because our country's probably weakened to the fact that we really can't defend Israel like we should because half our country's gone. That's probably a... Relatively good percentage of Christians that will disappear in the rapture. So he gives you the nations. This is really cool about this. Two years ago, Saudi Arabia... Now I know this is, a lot, this is not quite like a preaching message, so hang with me. Two years ago, Saudi Arabia wanted to annihilate Israel. Two years ago, Saudi Arabia uh, wouldn't let Israel even refuel their planes over them. But, but something happened about two years ago. They just said, you know what, we're going to be friends with Israel and said, you need to refuel planes over our land. Go ahead. And the two nations that aren't mentioned in the Ezekiel 38 war have become friends with Israel, Saudi Arabia and Jordan. It's pretty crazy. He mentions them right here. It's just nuts. So Saudi Arabia and Jordan are mentioned, and they're the two that don't go up against them. So all these other nations that are aligned themselves against Israel have got all this military might ready for a war when there's no sense of having military might ready for war other than they're getting ready to invade Israel. You don't amass uh, mass amounts of airplanes and missiles and uh, tank batteries just for nothing. You do that because you're getting ready to mobilize. So that tells you and I, if all those guys are in position, the rapture of the church is very soon. Now I think we've got a little bit more time, but not a lot of time. I mean, how cool is that? That you, you've got tangible, physical things that point to you getting a brand new body. New singing voice. <laughs> Amen. Here we go. All right, let's keep going. Here we go. All right, let's go a little further. Look, at, look down at verse 16. 
And they shall come upon against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days. And I will bring thee against my land that the heathen may know when I shall be sanctified in the O Gog before their eyes. You're going to see repeatedly over and over again in Ezekiel's vision how it's all about the heathen knowing that he's God. In this dispensation, we preach the word. He confirms the word with signs following. During that seven-year period, uh, he's going to do things so that the heathen can know that he's God. And I start saying it a while ago. What did Moses do with Pharaoh? He had the working of miracles. Why? Because of their hardness of heart. So God's going to do some things here that's going to show them, oh, you, you, all of Russia's whole life they've been sowing things against Israel, anti-Semitic stuff just lately that's been crazy, and God's going to judge that spirit that wants to annihilate Israel. So that visibly during that seven-year period, people will go, wow, God just scored a victory, and Islam did not score a victory. So you're getting to see Islam come to the forefront so he can deal with the whore of Babylon. That's that false religious system that pushes these nations to annihilate Israel. And God's going to go rat-a-tat-tat with his baseball bat. Let's go a little further. With me? All right, look over at verse 23. Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Wow. So go to chapter 39. Let's go a little further. Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part unto thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts and bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. Now that word sixth part there in the Hebrew it just means I'm going to sixth you. Really, it's a real weird translation. We would say uh, you're going to be toast. That was God's way of saying, you know what, you made a mistake trying to come against Israel because I'm going to wipe you out. And really, if you get to the math of it, it's, it breaks it up in ten-tenths and it's five-sixths of Russia. That's 82% of Russia is going to be wiped out. I remember when uh, uh, Rick Renner was going to have Billy Bram come teach this in, in Russia, and she was like, you know, it's not really good news for Russia. It's kind of scary to go, oh, by the way, 82% of everybody around here is going to be vaporized. Because we'll see in a minute, this is going to be global nuclear war. God's going to just literally do some stuff that just wipes them out. We'll find out here in a minute how Ezekiel even talked about it being nuclear 2,500 years before they even heard of nuclear weapons. It's amazing how God knows the future before you get there. Amen? All right, let's go a little further. Look what he says here. Verse 3, I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and I will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and the people that's with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the fields to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field. I have spoken it, thus saith the Lord. I will send a fire on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Now that word carelessly just means confidently. I've looked this up from every, every end-time preacher, every way you can look it up in dictionaries, every way you can look it up in, in concordances, and the, it doesn't really give you who these uh, uh, islands are in the isles that are confidently living. I personally think it's Dubai and Yemen because they're coastal cities that are still Islamic. And God's dealing basically with Islam here. So any coastal city you see that's uh, sponsored by Islam uh, is probably not going to be very safe. <laughs> he basically says that. So he says in verse 7, So I will make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel. So God's doing this really uh, to, to kind of show off. Remember he brought Israel back so he can court Israel. And now someone's going to try to hurt Israel and he's going to go, No, you're not going to hurt Israel. I'm going to protect her. So he's doing this to honor her. It's really cool how this all works. 
He says, so I'll make, my, I'll make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. All right, let's go a little further. Skip over to verse, verse number 9. <laughs> I was going to try to do this like Chuck Missler, but it's just way too slow. I can't do it. Look at verse 9. And they that dwell in the city of Israel shall go forth and shall set fire and burn the weapons, both the shields and the bucklers and the bows and the arrows and the handstaves and the spears. They shall burn them with fire for seven years. Now that's the shelf life of an atomic weapon in Russia right now. Seven years is a shelf life. So they're, they're, they're going to have all these, <laughs> obviously things are going to misfire and they're going to be sitting there and they're going to burn them for seven years. What could you have told someone 500 years ago? I've got, I'm going to light a match, we're going to build a fire, and it's going to burn for seven years. Wow, that's some serious wood. So you, you see Ezekiel talking about stuff that's atomic before atomic weapons are even made. It's pretty crazy. So with Russia, I didn't go into detail about this, but Russia had made so many changes in the last 15, 20 years. They're completely broke. Remember I talked about them altering things. Russia has no money. That's why they're looking at the oil fields in Israel. That's why they're going to come down against Israel. They're coming to take a spoil. I've preached in, in the Ukraine many times. In the middle of the day, they just cut the power off. It's not because they're working on the power. It's because they don't have enough money to make the, the country run. And Putin's turned into a, a dictator. Basically, he's got this mindset of old Russia that's come to the forefront. Why? Because he's fulfilling this prophecy. So here, here we see this atomic weapons burn for seven years. That's why I believe there's a little bit of a gap between the rapture and the signing of the covenant for the tribulation because this is going to burn for seven years. And then the, the signing of the covenant with Israel had to happen before this because this is during the tribulation. So maybe there's a gap of a year, maybe a year and a half, who knows. It, sometimes it seems like it doesn't take long at all, then sometimes it seems like it runs for a while. But here they're, they're using these things to burn. So In verse 10, So they shall take no wood out of the field, neither cut down any of their forests, for they shall burn the weapons with fire, and they shall spoil those that spoil them, and rob those that rob them, saith the Lord. It will come to pass in that day that I will give unto Gog a place there of graves in Israel, the valley of passengers on the east of the sea. This is east of the Dead Sea. So the east of the sea, and it shall shall stop the noses of the passengers, and they shall bury Gog and all the multitude. They shall call it in the valley of Hamongog. And seven months shall the house of Israel be burying them, that they may cleanse the land. So it's going to take them seven months to bury all the people that get killed during that World War III. I mean, we think of World War I was pretty bad. World War II was pretty bad. This is World War III. Yea, and all the people in the land shall bury them. It shall, they, they shall be to them a renowned day that I shall be glorified, saith the Lord. And they shall sever out men of continual employment. If you look that up in the Hebrew, it means these are guys that are specialists in nuclear stuff. Now watch what happens. These guys of continual employment passing through the land to bury with the passengers those that remain upon the face of the earth to cleanse it after the end of the seven months shall be searched. Watch this. The passengers that pass through the land, when any seat that man's bone, then shall he set a sign by it till the barriers have buried it in the, in the valley of Haman Gog. In other words, they're not supposed to touch it because it's radioactive. So they're supposed to mark it so that the, the specialists can come to bury these radioactive people. So what, what makes me get into all this, because this is basically the Ezekiel 38 war, is you're watching the players in position last week, the week before, the week before, and the week before. Pretty crazy. Aren't we blessed? 
I know this is monotonous, but man, we're blessed. God took two whole chapters to show you a nation's going to try to invade Israel and I'm going to wipe them off the map so that the heathen can see that I'm God. Look how sweet the Lord is to kind of show off for Israel. And in the meantime, showing off for Israel, the rest of the heathen, the unbeliever can go, wow, something's up. These guys thought they could take Israel out and they can't do it. So go a little further. Skip down to verse, verse 21. And I'll set my glory upon the heathen, and all the heathen shall see my judgment that I have executed in my hand that I have laid upon them. So the house of Israel shall know that I am the Lord God in that day and forward. So notice the, over and over and over again, the heathen may know that I'm God. It's a, it's, a, it's a display of His love and His mercy toward Israel. And the heathen shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity because their trespass against me. Therefore hid I my face from them and gave them into the land of their enemies. So shall they all die by the sword. According to their uncleanness and according to their transgressions have I done unto them and hid my face from them. Thus saith the Lord God, Now I will bring again the captivity of Jacob and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel and will be jealous for my holy name. So you're, you're living in a day when God's making adjustments. He's regathered them, got them in position. You've got people that are getting ready to annihilate them. God's going to go out of His way to protect them. And over and over again, He's showing His promises for His covenant. I regathered you. I protect you. I show the earth that I'm God. Man, in this dispensation, I, you know, you want, we labor for God to show off to prove to people that He's God. Well, in this seven-year period, he's going to do it. Let's read a little bit more. Go down to verse uh, 28. Then they shall know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity among the heathen. And I have gathered them unto their own land and have left none of them any more there. Neither will I hide my face any more from them, for I have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, saith the Lord. So here's an event that's so soon to come where nations will come against Israel. And this is not the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon is seven years later. Now that's, that's when the kings of the east from China come over to the Euphrates. I didn't even talk about this. You know, a couple years ago, ISIS was damming up the Euphrates. And the Bible says the kings of the east come over the Euphrates. There's no water there. So guess what Russia was doing last year? Doing war games with China. I mean, it can't get any more. If, if you got into everything Russia was doing, it'd be like, there's no way possible that they think they can do this and people not notice it. But they're doing it and people are hardly even notice it. Some generals are talking about this is provocative and crazy, but there's no mention in the news media. There's no mention about, hey, there's a setup for World War III. We should be talking about this. It's completely quiet. I have to go to Israeli sites to even find the stuff that they're doing every single week. Because nothing in America tells you, oh, by the way, there's a radical transformation in Russia that they're basically lost their mind. They're going to invade Israel. It's amazing how God has to say what that mindset is. I'll, I'll put a hook in their jaw. I like that Hilt Sutton used to talk about that hook in the jaw was over food. Really, I believe it's over the, or it's spoil, which Ezekiel says there. Because in northern Israel, on the Golans, one little section of northern Israel, they found more oil there than all of Saudi Arabia combined. So there's resources there that, that Russia needs because Russia's broke. I, I, I mean, I, don't, don't get mad at me. If, if you went to war with Russia, I don't know how their airplanes work. Everything I've been around in Russia, nothing works. I mean, you get on an elevator, oh, it's broken. Get on this, it's broken. Get on this, it's broken. I'm like, seriously? Every single thing you mess with is broken. So it's a dilapidated nation that they don't want people to know that it's dilapidated. 
I mean, it's not good. So we're so privileged and so blessed to have the technology. Think about 500 years ago, you had, no, you had a runner bring you a message, uh, Russia's moving some, some troops. Now we got all these things of a regathering happening for Israel. All these things happening for Jerusalem being won back. And after that, you've got signs in the heavens and you've got all these signs in the earth. And then all of a sudden, the players that are going to bring this to pass have marched into position. I wish I had a map. I wish I could have put up on a map the bases that are in Syria. It, it freaked me out when I saw it. I thought, oh my God, Russia is completely, completely covered the whole nation. And I haven't gotten into this, and I'm going to close with this. I want you to hear this about Iran. Four months ago, five, five, four, five, six months ago, four or five months in a row, two huge cargo planes every single day flew from Tehran into Lebanon to deliver missiles for Hezbollah. Okay? Gosh, I didn't get into it, but in Jeremiah, it even talks about missiles that have guidance systems. This is in the Bible. They have their own guidance systems that the arrow has more accuracy than the shooter. So the missile knows where to go. So Iran's hauling all these missiles down into Lebanon. Why? They're putting sophisticated guidance systems on the missiles so they can fire into Israel wherever they want. These are the ones that Israel keeps taking out week after week after week. So, so there's a huge cargo plane twice a day unloading munitions on the northern part of Israel to annihilate Israel. And there's no word of it at all in our media. Every single day. That's why Israel's like, why does Israel act weird sometimes, a little paranoid? Because everybody wants to kill her. <laughs> I mean, w w just think if we all, everyone surrounded Switzerland and everybody's got all this military might around Switzerland, people would go, that's not right, that's not fair. You look like you're trying to annihilate Switzerland. But they can all amass all around Israel and no one says a word. All they say is, now you can, we're going to pass BDS, boycott, divestment, and sanction. They're, they're trying to mark the goods that are made in the West Bank, like put the mark of the beast on them so that they're, they're taxed. And, and, and it's just psychotic, the thought pattern to attack Israel. So blessed are we that we get to see the hand of the Lord. I believe there'll be a viewing spot in heaven. You know, we're going to go up to the rapture and we're going to go to the reward seat of Christ. Maybe the Lord will pull the curtain back, you know, and we'll look down on the earth and we'll watch some of the Ezekiel 38 war. I know it'll be sad at some point just seeing so much destruction, but there's going to be righteousness implemented into the earth. What you're seeing during that seven-year period is the beginning of an entrance of a righteous king to the earth. Now I want this branded in your soul before we go. A righteous king in the earth. It's God himself. God himself physically coming back to the planet. So we, we take time to have extra meetings. We have meetings on the signs of the coming of the Lord. We have meetings on the rapture. Have a meeting on the reward seat of Christ and the Ezekiel 38 war. Tomorrow night we're going to come back again in the millennial reign of Christ. It's the funnest stuff. It's not quite as laborious as the Ezekiel 38 war. But when you see your future, you'll see, wow, God's invested so much in me right now because I'm getting ready to do all this stuff in the next thousand years. Man, when you see what you're going to be doing for a thousand years, you, you, you'll be slapping your grandma. It's just cool. Just <laughs> literally fun things. You, you walk up and hit your mom. Pow! Man, grandma, this is going to be so fun. So there is no... So if you need a renewal of hope or a renewal of joy, you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you. Thank you for this season. Yes, it is a season of, of great war. But Father, before this great war happens, thank you for the departure of the church. We're so appreciative that we get to vacate the planet. We're in awe of your detailedness of what's getting ready to happen right before our eyes. Help us, Father. 
Help us see these changes about to come to pass. Help us be soul winners. Thank you for sweeping so many souls into the kingdom in such a short period of time. Lord, we thank you for grace for faith family. We thank you for uh, every need being supplied. If they need buses, if they need microphones, they need amplifiers, whatever they might need for an influx of so many people, Lord. We thank you for great preparation in this hour for great change. We give you glory, give you honor, and give you praise. We bless you tonight, Jesus. In Jesus' wonderful name. Everybody say amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to come. I know you're super busy, so thank you, thank you. Real quick before we go, anyone here never given their life to the Lord? I want to just give you a quick invitation. Uh, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'll pray with you. If you come tonight, and you may have been going to church all your life, but you've never actually given your life to the Lord. If you're like that, I want to pray with you here. Say, that's me. I'd like to give my life to the Lord. All you got to do is lift your hand up. Say, that's me, and I'll pray for you. No drama, no drama whatsoever. We can accept Him as our Lord and our Savior. Be a cool birthday. Get to heaven, there'll be a plaque on your house. Uh, uh, June of 2020, they're going to go, wow, you got it right before the rapture. And I'll just say this, uh, in your house in heaven, you're going to have little plaques as you go in through your front door. And there's going to be little plaques with certain stars on it. Remember when kids in children's church, they have little stars and little things? You're going to have little stars and little things on your, on your plaque showing you went to church when nobody else did. Mark it down in your book. Keep and rebuke me when we get to heaven if I'm wrong. They go, Brother Joe, you're crazy. You're going to have reminders all over your house that you went to church when other people didn't go to church because you're expressing that you love him. Anyone real quick, just don't want to miss anybody. All right, praise God. Praise God. Hey, I had a word of knowledge, and I'll I'll just give it to you. Uh, um, Damage in your jaw. I don't know what it is. Don't need to understand it, but, uh, you know, I would think that, you know, something like Lockjaw or TMJ, but... uh, Watch tonight. Watch while you sleep. You won't have any damage to your jaw. Make sure you come back and testify tomorrow night. Say, wow, I'm healed. Amen. We were talking earlier about the, the last few years I've seen so many miracles. It almost freaks me out. Just miracle after miracle. Teaching on end times. Teaching on the coming of the Lord and God just loving on people. Loving them. One service I was in, I started calling out words of knowledge. Used to, I'd do this. I'd call them all down, you know. This one church, I'd call out a word of knowledge. Nobody came down. I said, well, I'll wait for you a little bit. I said, well, you don't have time. I said, there's a man here, you have uh, prostate cancer. Nobody came down. I said, well, I waved for a minute. I said, I'll show you who it is. I said, this man right here. He goes, I just got diagnosed with prostate cancer. Called out something else. Nobody came down. Went back and found them. Called out somebody else. They didn't come down. Went out and I said, it's that person right there. There was like eight or nine people. You know what the pastor told me after service? Every single one of them were visitors. God went out of his way to love on those visitors to show how much he loves them. He just loves you tonight. He loves you, loves you, loves you. Get that branded. Every time I preach on end times, he, he kind of rebukes me. Like, tell him over and over and over again how much I love him. He loves you, wants to bless you, wants to encourage you, wants to lift you up, has a great future for you, has great hope for you. Nothing but radical joy. Amen. Amen, amen.